0: In December 2012, almost 10 years ago, two federal prisoners in Chicago's Metropolitan Correctional Center took a rope they'd made from braided bed sheets and dental floss. They anchored the rope to an inside pipe. They wrapped the rope around a cell bunk bed and rappelled 17 stories down the side of the building. That right there is the concept behind the new album from Axons. It's called I Object to Everything. I'm joined by Axons tonight. This is Carcon Carne. It's Carcon Carne. Let's be in the car. It's Carcon Carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Benasta. So Adele from Axons is here. 100 Asian task force to bring down the fugitives the first guy was found in two days it took three three weeks to find the other one in the spirit adele of write what you know you're a civil rights lawyer and when it comes to write what you know the stuff you know can be as the cliche goes stranger than fiction this story obviously spoke to you
1: absolutely um I was a young lawyer when it happened, when these two um, guys escaped from the MCC about 10 years ago, and um, everyone in my office was following it closely. We all knew it was something really fascinating and weird and also death-defying.
0: Yes. All um, of
1: the Yeah. Um, and it was just almost outlandish that it ever happened, that... Um, all the planning that went into that kind of escape went undetected. So um, it was, yeah, fascinating story. And um, of course, somebody who represents people who are involved in the criminal justice system and a lot of people who are imprisoned, um, there was just something even more uh, appealing and fascinating to me about this story.
0: And the album uh, out on April 8th, yes i object to everything I, i'm guessing that's a refrain you've heard in the courtroom
1: it's a way i've certainly felt um, i took the title of the album from something that one of the escapees said during his trial so joseph jose banks um was accused of robbing several banks attempting to rob a few others and um for a variety of reasons he acted to represent himself at his trial he didn't have any formal legal training and um The defense he put on went awry in several ways, but when the prosecution would put on a piece of evidence during the trial, he would be given an opportunity to state whether he had an objection. And at one point during the trial, the judge asked him whether he had any objection to a piece of evidence, and he said, I object to everything past, present, and future. Which I thought was an amazing turn of phrase and um, appealed to me greatly as someone who sometimes just sees, you know, so much of my work feels like we're pushing back on like the marginal worst parts of the system that we can do something about. But oftentimes um, the real answer I feel like is flush the entire system down the toilet and start over again. And I do object to all of it in so many uh, ways. So it just really uh, jumped off the page to me when I read that part of the transcript, um, because it was a relatable sentiment.
0: And I do want to talk about this album and I should mention you're playing the hideout. It's the release show on April 7th night before the official release Uh, you're playing with shannon candy who is fantastic and deep fake that right there is a show at the hideout but since you kind of went there is the criminal justice system broken beyond repair can it be fixed how does it get fixed
1: well that's a a really big philosophical question so i think you know i have my disposition towards this as someone who um, just sees all of the malfunctions of the system so especially over the past couple of years um pretty much at least a part of every day is devoted to working with people who are in prison. And um, oftentimes trying to get out of prison, um, especially like when their time is up, you know, I'm trying to help them find a place to go so they can um, get out on parole, things like that. And um, so often I just think, wow, our approach to, Uh, responding to crime is just totally ineffective at best and oftentimes counterproductive um, at worst. You know, we have these um, prisons that really, I mean, it's almost cliche to say it and it's not, it barely counts as an insight at this point, but don't do anything to rehabilitate people. Um, It often is just um, warehousing people in oftentimes very brutal mm-hmm. circumstances that really deprive them of um, the ability to rehabilitate, to learn from their mistakes and get better. Um, and instead just um, perpetuate cycles of um, not being able to function in society. So I think that there's so much about our response to crime that is uh, malfunctioning beyond repair.
0: In Illinois, and I I think this number is right. The recidivism rate is within one year of release is seventeen percent. Within three years of release, forty three percent. Neither of those sound good.
1: Um, I mean, (laughs) this gets into kind of the weeds of my work, but I'm very like uh, skeptical of recidivism rates. Like, who are we talking about? Like, it's um, as if. We've said everyone who is in the system is kind of a, a monolith, right? There's it's not a homogenous group. Um, so the fact that people go back at whatever rate, seventeen percent, forty three percent, whatever it is, I don't know that that's that meaningful a metric because you have to look at why people go back. Like I see so many people going back for things that are it, no one would think of them as a crime. They're just technical violations mm-hmm. of parole rules you know, and um, that sends so many people back to prison um, after they've done their time um, and are trying to reintegrate into society, get back on their feet, be positive and productive members of society. So I don't know what to think about, um, you know, recidivism figures um, other than it, it, it oftentimes to me isn't that meaningful a metric because what are we calling recidivism? Well, oftentimes it's like violating a technical rule.
0: Got it. Well, I guess let's look at this from another perspective. How can communities help? How can the formerly incarcerated who are back in in the world, how can they find the skills they need so that they don't slip so that they don't reoffend How much are communities responsible for helping with that?
1: So I think that there's um, like a big picture question there, which is, um, you know we put all of these systems in place that are tough on crime or supposedly crime prevention. Um, and oftentimes they are not that well thought through. They are window dressing that sounds good. It's a nice sound bite for a state lawmaker to send out to their constituents, and especially when we do have, you know, increasing crime, like right now, people want to have a convenient scapegoat for that and they want to have something that sounds like a response. Um, But what we end up doing is putting in place this massive um, apparatus that really just actually makes it hard for people to get back on their feet. So I think we need to start from a recognition that almost everybody who goes into the criminal justice system is going to come back out again. And the question is, how do we allow them to be contributing members of society again? And if we impose this kind of permanent civil death on that, um, there's so many ways in which you can't participate in society after a conviction for a serious crime. Um, We're starting from just the wrong point um, because we should want people to try to get out and work towards their redemption. You know, it's not, I'm not against accountability. Accountability is of course, um, important. And that's an essential function of the criminal justice system. But um, so often what we do um, within that system goes way beyond accountability. And it just tips over into vengeance. Um, and it also just tips over into uh, wanting us to make, wanting lawmakers wanting to make us feel good, like we're doing something for safety. Um, and people are very quick to <sighs> latch on to Kind of facile um, answers to questions that are way more complex. So I think, you know, the question about the broader community, I guess, um, I don't know like how communities should, you know, be responding to this. I guess I just want to say, like, I think we should start from the standpoint that we want people um, who are going to be released from prison eventually to be able to do better, to have a, a real opportunity to take responsibility for what they did and then move on from that and have a positive life. And so much of what we do to people both within prison and then after they get out really just runs counter to that.
0: So with that, I object to everything. I mean, hearing your perspective and knowing your background, I think is really interesting and it informs your music. And it sounds to me like this is the sort of job, career, vocation you have where you can't help but take your work home every now and then. Seems to me like you really need this creative outlet.
1: I, yeah, I love um, having art. I've always kind of been a hobbyist musician, um, played in bands for a long time. Um, And so, yes, I mean, I enjoy using another side of my brain, especially because um, work is often, um, you know, it can be really like, not just intellectually challenging, but emotionally challenging. Um, just because, you know, you're, um, I'm talking to families and clients who are just going through really, really difficult situations. Um, so I love having the creative outlet, um, and working on this project was, um, was really interesting because in some ways it did draw on my experience mm-hmm. as a lawyer. Um, and some of the things that I've come to feel about the criminal justice system doing this work. Um, so it was fun to, um, to incorporate that into my creative
0: life. And, and the album cover itself is the Metropolitan Correctional Center, which is, it's kind of a cool looking building for what it is.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, um it's interesting. It's it's an unusual type of place. I mean, I I actually don't know what the federal holding facilities are like in other large cities, but the Metropolitan Correctional Center does stand out in the crowd. I mean, it's kind of a, a beautiful and unusual looking building. Mm-hmm. It's right downtown. Um, you wouldn't necessarily look at it and think prison, but um, I've definitely had days sitting in the federal courthouse library where you can see kind of the top of that building. And, um, you know, you see people in a cage, um, yeah. you know, um, up there getting their little bit of outdoor time um, caged in on this in this high rise.
0: 20 More Years is a song that's available on Bandcamp in advance of the album. You did a video for it uh, on the rooftop of the neighboring infamous neighboring city parking garage where a lot of friends of the incarcerated visit from afar i guess i'll say
1: yes there is i mean of course uh, it's been reported on over the years there are um both apocryphal and real stories about things that happen atop that parking garage but it does um you know have kind of a perfect view of the mcc and um I mean, the day we went to film like our video, we didn't have a permit or anything to do this. There were people um, up there before us, like having a birthday party for someone who was um, incarcerated. They brought like signs and balloons, and you know, um, were just saying hi.
0: Which is kind of inspired and interesting to hear because we don't hear those stories.
1: Right. Of course, you hear about like
0: the 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 Mardi Gras style. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. for You know, for people who haven't heard these stories, there's, of course, like circumstances where folks who are imprisoned in the MCC um, want to kind of demonstrate the power and influence they have by having women come to this parking garage and um, strip or uh, dance or things mm-hmm. of that nature. Uh,
0: and this is kind of a, a great this song, 20 More Years, it's kind of a greatest hits of, of criminals. Um Ted Kaczynski, Al-Qaeda, El Chapo, the shoe bomber. And really, it's, it's a best of.
1: Well, so that's, um, that song is about the prison where these two guys who escaped from the MCC are currently imprisoned. And it's the federal supermax in, in Florence, Colorado. And it's the most secure prison in the entire country. Um, and it's where all those people live. Like the 9-11 co-conspirator, um, Zacharias Moussawe, uh, I can't pronounce his name, Zacharias Moussawe, I think, mm-hmm. is there, Ted Kaczynski is there, uh, El Chapo is there, um, Larry Hoover, like every like, notorious gang boss and serial killer and terrorist you can think of, Dzhokhar Tsarnaev, they're all you know, at this, um, it's an incredibly intense, uh, highly secure prison. And you think, you know, these two guys, like, it's not that um, I condone robbing a bank. Obviously, that's a crime. And, I, you know, I understand why it's um, subject to serious legal consequences. But um, these guys did not go out and murder people or bomb buildings. Um, and they've ended up in this uh, facility for many years, a long time. Um, where the conditions are just extraordinarily harsh. It's the harshest form of imprisonment we have in this entire country.
0: Can't even imagine. Cannot even imagine. I, I love the pop smarts that exist on this new album. Can he come home? Which is uh, people will be able to, will be able to hear when the album comes out. Now, this is just power pop fun sonically. Thanks. I'm mean, very midwestern, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's. I don't know, that's the kind of style of song I'm, like, best at writing or just kind of, um, yeah, power
0: pop. Well, and Past, Present, and Future, which is a song that people can listen to right now if they want to. That's more jangly, dream pop kind of stuff that, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a sweet spot for you, for sure. Thank you. Uh, I also like there's a song that people will be able to hear when, when they can hear the album or when they can see you at the hideout, um, Suspended the guitars are, are just really cool on that one.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks.
0: And then um, there's a song, shove it, shove it. Uh, that's, that's the one that to me, and you may think I'm crazy for saying this. It, it's it starts out like a pixie song to me.
1: I appreciate that very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does start out with like a really strong line That's mm-hmm. kind of carrying everything. Um, yeah.
0: It's cool stuff. And I love the backups, the backup vocals and the harmonies on the album. It's just really well done. And the fact that it's all tied up in this concept, which is, I I think creating a concept album is kind of a, not a lost art so much as it's a forgotten art as we live in a very a la carte musical culture. I think it's cool to have a complete artistic statement.
1: Thank you. Nice Um, vision. Thanks so much. I had fun making it. Um, Yeah, it was it just turned out to be really fertile ground when I was like looking for something to write songs about, you know, I thought maybe I would write a song about this escape because it was just, um, a a super interesting, I don't know, piece of Chicago history that, um, was appealing to me. But then I started downloading all the transcripts from the case and I was like, Oh my gosh, like there's some level on which the escape is the least interesting thing that happened to these guys. Like, their trials and the things that happened in court and um, what happened after that is all really, really fascinating too. And so um, I quickly realized that there was just a lot there um, that I wanted to draw on and um, became interested in doing a full record.
0: It, it, the stories are fascinating and how, I guess the, this explains, we in America have a fascination with crime. I mean, it, it's, it's been propelling Netflix for the past, two years we have a fascination with criminals how they think how they behave and where they end up is that is that a bad thing for us or is it just a thing
1: that's so interesting i mean we do um so like like the most popular genre of podcast and obviously tons of netflix specials are all about various types of crime and fraud And um, it's just an interesting question. What is so appealing to us as a society about these types of stories? Um, And I don't know.
0: (laughs) I I always kind of perceived it as a there, but for the grace of God voyeurism.
1: I think that's a great uh, insight because that's something that I'm always struck with, both in my work and in thinking about this record was the lines are often so fine. You know, we try, we often can otherize people who are within the system and um, especially people who are imprisoned as like criminals, like as if that's a label that makes, uh, that says something fundamental about the person, right? Right. But um, everybody's more complex than that. There's multiple facets to every person, including people who have violated our laws and norms. And um, yeah, the ways that, people end up in those systems or their lives end up going off the rails or oftentimes kind of shockingly quotidian, you know, it's not like this is some fundamentally different type of person right. who uh, commits a crime and ends up going to
0: prison. Right. You're right. It is a super fine line. So Adele, I object to everything that is the new album, new release from Axons. It is available everywhere streaming uh, on April 8th. We can get a, a, an early live raw in your face preview of all that on stage. The release show is April 7th at the hideout again, the Shannon candy and deep fake. What a show that is. Uh, I think this is super cool. And it, I, I, I love the concept and, you know, I, as a Midwestern, I, I love the, uh, the pop smarts you you're showing off here.
1: Thank you.